Good morning. My name is Isaiah. I'm a member here at Southlands, uh, and I have the privilege of telling you about Jesus this morning. Um, Over the past few weeks, we've been uh, in a sermon series called The Cross and the Crown. We've been going through the book of Matthew uh, and uh, examining the life of Jesus and uh, looking at how he's established the kingdom. Um, And this morning, we're going to be uh, exploring an interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees in Matthew 12. Uh, in, this, uh, in this interaction, we're going to be looking at the Sabbath and, and Jesus' authority. Um, so just to kind of uh, maybe give a little bit of uh, frame what we're going to talk about this morning. Why should we talk about the Sabbath? Why does that matter? Uh, the first reason uh, that I just want to point out is our culture is not a culture that celebrates rest. Uh, And this is important to acknowledge because when we, uh, this is something I talked about with tribe. Where's my tribe people? I see you guys. We, uh, something we talked about at tribe is this idea that beholding is becoming. So when we, when we are, uh, when we look at something, there's uh, for an extended period of time, whether that's a a person or, or music or media or, or anything like that, it, it leaves a residue on us for better or for worse. That's why community is so powerful. We're, we're with each other, we're beholding, and as other people uh, enjoy Christ and, and we see Christ in them, it, it leaves a residue on us. Um, the reality is though, is when we live in a culture that does not celebrate rest, we are beholding that, and that is, it's leaving an impartation on us. Uh, and rest is something that's celebrated in the kingdom of God. So it's worth talking about because um, Jesus thinks it's important. Uh, The second reason, uh, along with that, just a little bit more backstory on the book of Matthew, uh, the the Romans, the Romans, the the Israelites in the time of Jesus had a very uh, big expectation of what Jesus was going to come and do uh, when he came. They were expecting Jesus to bring uh, liberation from a political oppressor um, through violence, and, and Jesus was going to ride in on like a, a horse and like a chariot, and he was going to like cut some fools down, and, and this was going to be the liberation that Jesus brought. Uh, the reality is, as we know, is that Jesus did not win that way. Jesus won ultimately, and he, he did bring freedom and liberation but from a different kingdom. Uh, and I, I say this all to say is that the kingdom of God is, you've heard it said here, is an upside down kingdom. It's reverse. It works differently. We have an expectation that the, the people, um, the Israelites had an expectation of how Jesus was going to work, and it didn't work out that way for, for their good and for our good. Uh, and and similarly, our, our perspective on rest and our perspective on the Sabbath um, might be a little bit backwards, and, and, and God works through it in a way that maybe we don't expect. So let's go ahead, let me see where I'm at. Let's go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew 12, and I'm going to pray for us really quick. Jesus, we thank you that you've given us the gift of the Sabbath. We thank you that uh, you blessed us with a day to remember you. Um, God, we thank you that your word is alive and active, that, that this morning you want to speak to us more than we want to hear you. God, you've initiated this morning. You've pursued us up to this point today, uh, and you want to reveal yourself. Jesus, would you use me to, uh, to, to say truth, uh, to talk about you? Um, and God, would all of our hearts be good soil to receive it and to be transformed by it? Would you move in power, God? Amen. All right, so Matthew 12, 
verses 1 through 8. I'm reading out of the ESV. It's also going to be up here if you don't have your Bible. Oh. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So the first thing I want, uh, we need to acknowledge about this interaction, there's a lot there we're going to get to, but the first thing uh, we need to realize is the Sabbath is holy. Uh, the Sabbath is, is something that has been around only one day less than humankind. God in, in, the, in creation, he's, you know, he made up the earth and the things and the people and, and all that. And then on the seventh day, he rested on the sixth day, he made us. The Sabbath has, has been woven into the very nature of creation. It's, it's literally one of the first things that happened in history, the Sabbath, God resting. In, uh, in, we're going to reference another passage in Exodus, Exodus 31. Uh, Exodus uh, 31, 12 through 17 says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that, I may know, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel will keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So, a lot, a lot there. Um, the Sabbath is a big deal. It's a, an offense worthy of capital punishment. It's a covenant, and it's a really simple covenant. You work six days, and then you rest on the seventh, and I won't kill you. It's, it's, it's kind of humorous how heavy that is, but this is what we're talking about when we say something's holy. Holy means set apart, distinct, different, uh, not to be approached the same way as the rest. The Sabbath is holy, and uh, today it's still holy. Um, it's a big deal, and, and the, the reason I say all this is it's a sacrament that we need to take seriously. Um, and that's the perspective that, uh, that Jesus is coming at it from. That's the perspective of the Pharisees, um, and that's why we're talking about it this morning. Let me get back to Matthew 12. Got it, Okay. So the second thing we need to acknowledge is uh, in, in Mark chapter 2, which is uh, the same account of this interaction, Jesus says the Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
Um, So the Sabbath is holy, and according to Jesus, the Sabbath is a gift. So backpedal a little bit. The Sabbath, uh, the reason this interaction is happening, the reason the, the Pharisees are, uh, are kind of confronting the disciples is, is not because uh, they're stealing. So imagine this. Jesus is walking. The disciples are a little bit in front. They're leading the way. The Pharisees are around, and as they're walking, they're picking grain. It's not theirs. It's it's just on the way and they pick it. So uh, back then, farmers actually plotted their land and had a specific section on the edges for travelers to pick. So they weren't stealing. The, the, the Pharisees say they're doing something that on the Sabbath is not lawful to do. So what they mean by that is the, the, the Pharisees uh, did something super helpful. They, they take this law of God that's like, hey, don't work on the Sabbath or you die. And they're like, what if we made this like super clear for everybody to understand? So there's no guessing if you work on the Sabbath, if you're gonna die, right? Like, cool, like let's do that. So they came up with 39, 39 additional laws to keep on the Sabbath. So here's the law of God, and then let's add 39 things on top of that. That's always a good thing to do, add to the word of God. So what happens, this is what's crazy. So as they're walking, the disciples, when they pick the grain, when they they rub it in their hand to kind of expose the part they're going to eat, when they put it in their mouth and chew it, and when they swallow it, they've broken four of these 39 laws. So they've, they've harvested, they've threshed, threshing is, I think that's the term, they've ground by chewing, and then stored by swallowing. <laughs> amazing, it's amazing how, how petty that is. Um, so from the Pharisees' perspective, what's happening right now is the disciples should be killed. They are, they are deserving of capital punishment because the Pharisees so graciously added 39 laws to the word of God. This is not the intent of the Sabbath. The, the Pharisees had effectively worked, there's a pun there, you should notice it, worked God out of the Sabbath. Um, if we look back at the Exodus account of the Sabbath, what, what does it say? It says, um, it says God rested and was refreshed. That was the intent of the Sabbath. It also says, it's a covenant between me and my people that you would remember that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So the original intent of the Sabbath, though holy, though sobering, though weighty, and, and you could even say dangerous, it was good, and it was a gift. Uh, the, keep in mind as well, the, the people that, uh, the Israelites, when they received this, they, they were in exile. They're, they're traveling around. The, the temple is something they set up and tear down, and there's the, the fire by day and the cloud by night. And I think the Sabbath was such a gift to them because it, it gave them some consistency in their life. They, they lived a nomadic life of, of uh, here one day, there the next, and God was so gracious to say, here, have a consistent pattern in your life of, of dining with me, of communing with me, and remembering that I'm the one that makes you holy. I think that's so powerful. So the, the question, if we, if we acknowledge that the Sabbath is holy, and we acknowledge that the Sabbath is for us. Uh, The question I wanna ask each of us is, when was the last time we set aside a substantial amount of time to be rested and refreshed? When was the last time 
we, we, had a, we had a substantial, costly amount of time dedicated to remembering that God is the one who sanctifies us. What else is powerful about this, and, and I'm gonna take a little bit of poetic license here. Uh, the idea that God was refreshed kinda has an underlying uh, thing underneath it. So God needed refreshment. So God's like a battery that needed recharging, like he used all his Jesus superpowers in creation, and then he's like, man, I'm whooped, I gotta, I gotta recharge. Clearly not, clearly not. This means, I believe, it, it was non-functional. So God did, to me, this, this talks about the Trinity. This talks about the fact that from the beginning of time, God's been in relationship with himself, and, and that's the fuel and, and, and purpose of pretty much everything, that God is in relationship with himself, that he doesn't have to, but he loves. He's set his foundation of his being is relationship. I think this is why God loves faith, because faith is, is I believe this much, but I need this much to get through, so I'm gonna trust I'm going to act even though I don't fully believe, but I'm going to take that step. And that's relationship. That's trusting the person. Um, it, God is, is centered on relationship. That's what is important to him. So I say that to say the Sabbath is a day for you to be non-functional with God. And, and bigger than that, God wants to be non-functional with you. It's easy, uh, I'm sure people here in leadership can uh, relate, or, or any of you that have served in church in any capacity, it's easy to, for time with God to just be like prep time for whatever it is you're doing. Oh, I'm going to like spend time with God because I need to lead worship this Sunday and I got to like, you know, get in the zone and, and all this stuff. Like that's not the type of relationship God wants. We just see here that, that God himself took non-functional time, I believe, to be with the Son and with the Spirit. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you, you didn't just do that, but you fought and had a dedicated uh, space where you enjoyed the fact that God sanctifies you? The other, uh, the other funny thing about this, this passage that I didn't pick up on in the, the first couple readings is the way that Jesus responds to the Pharisees. So the Pharisees come and say, why are your disciples doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? <laughs> and Jesus, this is, this is actually really funny. So Jesus responds to them and says, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And then verse five, or have you not read the, in the law how the Sabbath and the priests profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? This is to the Pharisees. The Pharisees pretty much spent every day of their life like memorizing scripture. They knew it. They, they didn't have smartphones or, or even many books. Like if you wanted to know scripture, you memorized it. So that's like going up to Kelly and saying, Kelly, have you read John 3.16? Have you heard about that? Like it's like, yes, Jesus, we have read this passage. That's like coming up to me and like, have you seen Star Wars? Like, yes, person, I've seen Star Wars. I have socks with Star Wars on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's, it's almost comedic how it, it's sarcastic. And, and what, I, what I think is funny, too, is that what he says of have you not read, imagine this is something that the Pharisees said to the people around them that weren't as holy, that weren't as good, weren't, weren't as literate as them. Have you not read 
this and Jesus throws it right back at him. So this is, uh, this is the main point of, of what I wanna talk about is that the Sabbath is good the Sabbath is a beautiful gift. It's holy. It's for us, as we've talked about. But there's something greater than the Sabbath. If we go back to, I'm going to read it again. If we go back to Jesus' response to the Pharisees, he says, He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read the law, how the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The reason this is so important is that this, Jesus is not answering a question about the Sabbath here. He's not talking about what you should do and what you shouldn't do on the Sabbath and how to celebrate it. He's making some big claims about who he is. First, he says, uh, he talks about the son of David. He talks about King David. And then he goes on to talk about priests. And then he goes on to say that there's something greater than the temple. Then he goes on to say that he's the son of man and Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, effectively in this interaction, is putting himself above all of those things. So the, the, my final point is that Jesus is the true Sabbath. So when Jesus says, when he, when he mentions David, he's implying I'm greater than David. When, he, when he's saying, well, if, he's essentially saying, well, if David did it, why can't I? Because the inf inference there is, well, Jesus is obviously greater than David. Obviously. The Pharisees don't, don't realize that. What does that mean that Jesus is greater than David? That means that Jesus' lordship is going to establish he, what he's doing in this interaction. He's taking steps closer to the cross. What he's doing is, is that he's, he's foreshadowing the kingdom that's going to come, the one that's better than David's kingdom, where, where the, the rules of, of his kingdom and the laws are more conducive to us thriving, where, where his, his discipline is more gracious and produces a better result in us. It's, it's where, his, where, where the community that he creates in this kingdom is more uh, sustainable and outward. It's, it's everything that we we think of when we think of a kingdom, Jesus saying, I'm going to bring something better than that. When he talks about the priest, the priest was the way we had access to God, right? That, that the, the original way is you talk to a priest, a priest would go to God on your behalf. What he's saying is, I'm going to be a better priest. I am the true priest. He's saying that where the priest, you talk to the priest and the priest talks to God, I'm saying, I'm God, you can talk to me. I'm saying you can confess your sins directly to me. That's what I'm about to accomplish a couple chapters later when I go to the cross. When he says he's, there's something greater than the temple is here, he's saying I am the temple. The temple used to be the dwelling place of God. That's the only place you could find him. And the Holy of Holies and only a couple people were allowed in there and everybody else was just kind of hanging out on the outside. Jesus is saying I am the true temple. I am the Holy of Holies. I'm the place where you can commune with God. And, and it's foreshadowing to what we know he would accomplish on the cross. And the last thing, the last two things Jesus says, first he says, um, he calls himself the son of man. This is, each of these claims is getting progressively more heinous and, and heretical almost. 
The final, this, this second to last claim, I'm the son of man. The son of man was a term used in the Old Testament in, in prophecies to paint a picture of this coming Messiah. This was that, that warlord on a horse that's gonna come and bring political freedom and, and uh, freedom from the oppressor of the Roman Empire. Like, that's what he's saying right there. When he says the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, I am that one. I am that son of man that you have been studying and preparing for and anticipating for hundreds and hundreds of years, I am that son of man. And the last thing he says of, of I'm Lord of the Sabbath, this is like the, this is it right here. He basically is saying like, I made the Sabbath. I was there when it happened. I was there on the seventh day when the Sabbath was established. So, when, when, the, <laughs> when the Pharisees respond to leaving and contemplating to kill him, it makes a little bit more sense that it's not about the Sabbath. This, this passage is not about the Sabbath. This is about who Jesus is. So I think that there's a couple of ways that God wants, God is speaking to us this morning. Um, Jesus is the true Sabbath. Jesus is the greater king. Jesus is the greater priest. Jesus is the greater temple. He is the son of man. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. That means that though, though we have the Sabbath and it's good and it's beautiful, Jesus does something that the Sabbath can't do. The Sabbath can't save us. The Sabbath is, is a reminder of the rest we have in God. It is not rest in God. What, and the rest too as well that, that, that the original Sabbath was, was a rest from work. If you work, you're put to death. Jesus, the rest that he brings as our true Sabbath is rest from the work of justifying ourselves before the Father. It's, it's rest from the work of being enough. It's, it's rest from, from the weariness of, of it's like uh, the picture I have is like, Going, walking through the desert and there's mirages everywhere and you sprint after them and you get there and you just get a mouthful of sand. It's not, it doesn't feel, and you spend, there's people who spend their whole life, and even sometimes us as Christians, we spend time looking for the, the water source, the thing that's gonna refresh us, and, and Jesus coming and being the true Sabbath is freedom and liberation from that pursuit. It's that we're not fighting anymore to find the right thing. It's not a quest to, re, to receive rest. It's, it's, it's there. It's been done for us. The rest that Jesus brings is the rest of our souls today. And even further than that, it's, it's a promise of a future rest. His accomplishing of a work that we could never do. Him doing the job, again, back to this idea of work, that we could never do. Him taking the burden of that pursuit off of our shoulders and putting on his yoke that's easy and light, wrapping us in his garments. It's like, it's like Isaac, uh, or uh, Esau, Esau, Jacob and Esau, what does Esau do? He puts on the hair of his brother, right? And then, and then his father smells the smell and feels the hair and says, oh, you're my son. Here's, here's the blessing. Here's the rest. That's what we do. That's what the gospel is. We are standing before the father who's blind and we have, we've fooled him. Jesus has fooled him. He's, we're, we're, we're hiding behind the cross and we get to receive Father's blessing. We get to receive one day 
being with him forever. We get to that, that um, what I believe it's Tolkien says, every sad thing becoming untrue. Every, every tear wiped away. This is the rest that Jesus has purchased for us. This is the rest that the world cannot provide. This is the rest that the mirages that we chase after in people, in stuff, in, in status, in zip codes cannot give us. So I think there's three ways that we are to respond this morning. Uh, the first group of people, I think there's people here who need rest. And I think there's people here who have not known that that is what Jesus offers us. And, and maybe that, that picture of you chasing after mirages and, and looking for things that satisfy you, you feel like that kind of explains your life. Uh, I want to tell you good news this morning. The Sabbath is for you. Jesus, the true Sabbath, is for you. He wants to give you true rest from your soul, not just physical rest, not emotional rest, but the, the, what, the rest that's central to our being and, and freedom from proving ourselves in that. Secondly, um, I think there's a call on us who know Jesus to repent. I think that we've been, I know as I read this and I allowed the word of God to examine me, what the Pharisees did seems very outlandish, but it's what we do. We add things to the law of God. We add things to to, to give us markers when, when stuff hits the fan and when things get hard or we feel like God's distant or, or we feel like God's punishing us, we want to have something that we can, look, I, I did it. Like, I did this. I know I've at least got this. And we put our faith in that. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They're putting their faith, well, if I keep these 39 rules, I know I'm righteous. We uh, sinfully do the same thing, I believe. We add go to church, read your Bible. And it, those are such good things, but they become where we put all of our faith. If I do this, this is the mark of my salvation. This, this is the mark of, of I will have X, Y, and Z. It's, that's not the case. Jesus is the one and only mark of salvation. So uh, the invitation for us, you know, Jesus, is to come take communion and to celebrate that, to, to do what the Sabbath describes, to celebrate that the Lord is the one that sanctifies us. And lastly, uh, the band, if you guys wanna come up, you can. Lastly, I think there's a call on us to, to consider what does the Sabbath mean? We, we, as we just read, the Sabbath is holy, and it's for us, but Jesus did not abolish it. In this interaction with, with the Pharisees, he doesn't say, don't do it anymore. To, to, to this day, the Sabbath is an important, holy gift to us. Uh, and I'd encourage you to, to talk amongst your family, your spouse, kids. What does it look like to have set aside time to celebrate what the Lord has done in your life? I'm going to pray for us really quick and then we'll respond. Jesus, we are so grateful for the rest that you give us. We are so grateful that, uh, that you give us the Sabbath for physical rest and you command us to to be still in that regard. But Jesus, you've given us a greater rest. You've given us the rest the Psalm describes as preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. One where we're with you face to face, dining with you, and you, you feed our soul and you, you work in us. And it's, it's despite chaos. It's not in the absence of chaos. Jesus, would you 
uh, convict us to pursue rest because you pursued rest and you've pursued rest on our behalf. We love you, Lord, and we thank and we worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.